Hello and welcome to the Back in the Trenches podcast, the show where a group of high schoolers from Eastern Europe set out to discover the history of a country far, far away, America. In our premiere episode, we explore the war to end all wars through the eyes of soldiers, news anchors, and the general public. Disclaimer, while trying to remain as factual as possible, our attempt to bring historical events to life requires us to take some artistic license. And now, please join us back in the trenches. Good evening and welcome back to AFS News with Anna and Sophie. Today is April 22nd, 1915. We have received shocking new information about the current situation in Europe. Earlier this evening, the German forces surprised the Allied soldiers by firing more than 150 tons of lethal chlorine gas, devastating the Allied line. The chlorine gas was used against two French colonial divisions. This marks the first offensive move of the year from the Germans. Reports are coming in that the chemical weapon was developed by the German chemist Fritz Haber. Joining us now live from Belgium, our ground reporter Fendi. Fendi, what can you tell us about the situation over there? Good evening. The attack began with the usual artillery bombardment of the enemy's line. When everything settled down, the Allied troops waited for the first wave of attacks from the German side. But instead, they were thrown into a panic when chlorine gas was released into their trenches. Colonel Harry Mordak describes the horrific scene. Soldiers were running like madmen, directionless, shouting for water, spitting blood, some even rolling on the ground making desperate efforts to breathe. The Allies managed to hold most of their position as the Germans failed to take full advantage of the situation. As of right now, the fatalities stand at around 1,000. This is Fendi with AFS News. Back to you. Thank you. That was Fendi reporting live from Belgium. We will keep you updated as the story unfolds. As the situation in Europe continues to worsen, there is one crucial question that needs to be asked by every person in the country. We like joined the war. We sent our reporters on the streets of New York City, and this is what people had to say. Let's take a look. We're in New York City today asking people one simple question. Are you considering joining the war in Europe? Let's see what they have to say. I want to join as a doctor. I want the soldiers to be taken care of as they recover, and I want to be there to help. It's a big responsibility and a great risk, but I believe you should always try and give your best. War never solves anything. I think it's a waste of time and money. How many soldiers have to die just because we can't solve our problems like others? No. I will not join the war. Great question. I probably will. I would get to help people as a nurse or maybe as a cook. If my country needs me, I will go. And also, I'll get to feel like a hero if I survive. That would be pretty great, don't you think? Good evening, everyone. Every once in a while, I come across stories of such incredible bravery that I cannot help but share them with the rest of the world. Our next guest has been lauded as the world's greatest hero, and President Lyndon Johnson called him a symbol of American courage and sacrifice. Please welcome Sergeant Alvin York. Welcome to the show. 
Could you please tell the folks listening tonight a little bit about yourself? Glad to be here. I was born in a log cabin near the Tennessee-Kentucky border. I'm the third of 11 children and our family has always been very simple. We never had a lot growing up, but we have definitely learned the value of hard work. Tell me more about how you were drafted into the U.S. Army. Sure, when the United States entered the war, I was drafted into the Army. At the time, because of my Christian faith, I applied for an exemption as an objector, but it was denied. In May 1918, I arrived in France. I was soon promoted to corporal and was given command of my own squad. When I first heard your story, there was one moment that really stood out for me. With barely any weapons or manpower, you managed to overpower a German garrison. It is such an incredible story. If you don't mind, could you tell us more about that experience? We were given the task of taking over control of some German-held positions. Our small group was fired upon by machine guns and only seven of us remained. I barely had time to react. Those machine guns were spitting fires and cutting down the undergrowth all around me. I didn't have time to dodge behind a tree or dive into the brush. I didn't even have time to kneel or lie down. As soon as the machine guns opened fire on me, I began to exchange shots with them. In order to sight me or to swing their machine guns on me, the Germans had to show their heads above the trench. And every time I saw a head, I just touched it off. All the times I kept yelling at them to calm down. I didn't want to kill more than I had to. But it was they or I, and I was giving them the best I had. What happened next? It wasn't long after that the whole garrison surrendered. In the end, we managed to take 132 prisoners, just the seven of us. Such a phenomenal story, and of course, for your efforts during the war, you have now been promoted to the rank of sergeant and have been awarded the Medal of Honor. Tell me, what are your plans for the future? I'm planning on starting a school for underprivileged children back in my home state of Tennessee. This is the Weird History section of our podcast. In this episode, we take a look at some unusual or little-known facts about World War I. When he heard the call to arms, he answered. The six-feet-tall Sidney Lewis showed up to the recruitment office with a desire to serve his country. The officer didn't even get him a second glance, so off the war he went. The only problem? Sidney was only 12 years old. By the time he turned 13, he was fighting on the battlefield of Somme. It wasn't uncommon for men to fake their ages so they could sign up early and that's exactly what he did as well. And so, young Sidney became the youngest soldier to fight in World War I. If you wonder what happened to him, well, it's simple. When his real age was discovered, he was ordered back to his mother in South London. During the war, all of a sudden, hundreds of babies were born with yellow skin color. They were nicknamed Canary Babies, and even though nothing could be done for them at the time, the discoloration slowly faded with time. The interesting thing is, their mothers had yellow skin as well. How did this happen? The answer, jaundice. Many women at that time were working in munition factories where they made many of the TNT shells for the war. The canary girls, as they were called, were mixing the chemicals by hand and many contracted severe jaundice, 
which causes their skin to turn yellow due to liver damage. Woodrow Wilson is now known as the president that took the United States to war, but not many people know that during his campaign, he presented himself as being the anti-war candidate. Even the re-election campaign slogan that he used was he kept us out of war, which further painted Wilson as a peacemaker. A month after he was sworn in, he declared war on Germany. Let's assume that you would want to blow up the German front line during World War I. Well, that's something that can't go unnoticed, and is going to definitely make some noises, literally. Back during World War I, a group of miners set out on a secret mission to dig tunnels under the trenches, plant mines all over and detonate them. One million pounds of explosives. The explosion was so great that the sound was heard in London, 140 miles away. Mission accomplished. This episode of the Back in the Trenches podcast was made possible by the hard work of the GGIS American History class. The music for this episode was provided by our awesome music teacher, Mr. Nathan, and his music class. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. Thank you for listening.